This is Barry Zalma, Zalma on insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the active practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert witness, an author and video producer of videos like the one today. And today I'd like to talk about the duties of the public insurance adjuster. Most policyholders do not have the in-house capability to investigate, evaluate, and negotiate significant property insurance losses. While some losses, such as a small fire in a kitchen or a loss requiring only minor repairs, may be dealt with easily, others which involve more complex damages and different potential causes of loss are much harder for the layperson to assess. Resolving them may require expertise in understanding the scope of coverage provided by an applicable property insurance policy, scientific or other specialized background to determine the cause of a specific loss, the ability to determine the cost to repair or replace the damaged property, and the calculation of the amount of time element that is business interruption loss that may or may not exist. In such cases, the policyholder may engage a public insurance adjuster, a PA. PAs are licensed by almost every state of the United States, and their contract forms must be approved by the state. All PAs claim to be experts on property loss adjustment. Most are. They represent only policyholders in fulfilling the duty to prepare, file, and adjust insurance claims. The PA should handle every detail of the claim, working closely with the policyholder and the insurer to obtain a prompt and reasonable settlement. PAs usually, if not universally, charge a contingency fee which they present to the insured as a fait accompli, but this fee is negotiable. The insured should try to lower it as much as possible, as if you were negotiating in an auto dealership for a car where you, the stated price is different from the one that is acceptable. For a major loss, more than one PA will arrive at the site seeking a contract. A fee quoted by one can be reduced by seeking lower fees from the others. Rates can be negotiated from a low of 3% to a high of 40%, although the average charge is between 10 and 15%. When considering a PA, the insured must take into account the fact that even if the insurer pays the full amount of the loss, the cost of the adjuster's fee must not leave enough funds to fully repair the damaged structure, and it is that fee that must be paid out of the pocket of the insured. Upon being retained, 
The professional PA should, one, immediately inspect the loss, two, analyze damages, three, assemble the necessary support for the claim, four, review the coverage to determine the portions of the loss which are covered, five, assess the value of the loss, and six, negotiate with the insurance company to reach the end result a settlement in favor of both the insurer and the insured. States like California license and regulate public insurance adjusters. Their contracts are subject to approval by the insurance departments in the states in which they operate. For example, in the state of Michigan, a public insurance adjuster is required to apply for and obtain a license through the Department of Insurance and Financial Services prior to representing any insureds who have suffered losses covered by insurance for fire or other hazards. In Texas, Chapter 4102 expressly prohibits a person from acting as a public insurance adjuster in Texas without a license. A person may not act as a public insurance adjuster in Texas or hold himself or herself out to the public as an insurance adjuster in the state unless the person holds a license issued by the commissioner of the State Department of Insurance. The term person is defined as including a corporation and a public insurance adjuster is defined as, quote, a person who, for direct, indirect, or any other compensation, acts on behalf of an insured in negotiating for or effecting the settlement of a claim or claims while acting as a public insurance adjuster, and also includes advertising, soliciting business, and holding oneself out to the public as an adjuster of claims, close quote. A licensed public insurance adjuster is expressly prohibited from participating directly or indirectly in the reconstruction, repair, or restoration of damaged property that is the subject of a claim adjusted by the license holder. Acting as a public insurance adjuster and a contractor on the same claim is a statutorily defined conflict of interest. The public adjuster contract is technically an assignment of a portion of a policy proceeds due to the policyholder from the insurer. To protect the ability to be paid, the assignment gives the PA ownership of a percentage of any claims payments. Usually, when a PA is involved, the insurer's settlement payments will name both the insured and the public adjuster. The validity of a post-loss assignment was approved by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court in Egger v. Gulf Insurance, a 2006 case. Although this judgment did not involve a first-party case, it applied law that has been adopted in other states. Similarly, an Insurance Adjustment Bureau versus Allstate Insurance, a 2006 case in Pennsylvania, 
the policyholder's house suffered a serious fire loss, and the policyholders retained Insurance Adjustment Bureau as their public adjuster. The contract called for a fee to IAB of 10% of any recovery plus expenses. IAB sued Allstate. IAB did not sue the policyholders because they had spent all the money and were essentially judgment-proof. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania reversed holdings in favor of Allstate by both the trial court and the superior court. The Supreme Court held that the issue was not whether there was an assignment, but what type of assignment the parties intended. If the parties attended assignment for the purpose of collection, it created a revocable agency relationship. If, on the other hand, it was an assignment for the purpose of security, the assignment was irrevocable once the contract was partially performed. The court, therefore, reversed and remanded so that the intent of the parties could be determined. The Supreme Court concluded, quote, the Eighth Circuit found a threshold question and one which the trial court and superior court did not address was whether this non-transfer provision was merely intended to make the policy itself non-transferable, such as in the event the property changed ownership, or whether it was additionally intended to exclude an assignment of insurance benefits after a loss. If the latter was intended and the provision is enforceable in the post-loss time frame, then the assignment is void and IAB's case would fail. In most jurisdictions, it has been held that a policy may not be assigned, but a claim against a policy can be assigned. The lesson for all parties to a public insurance contract is that while assignments after a loss may be valid, they should be clearly expressed to eliminate any ambiguity about the extent and nature of the interest assigned. Further, if the insured intends to void a contract with a public adjuster, as happened in the IAB case, he or she should do so in accordance with the contract terms, that is, within 72 hours of signing the contract. Insurers should, before paying an insured without naming the public adjuster on the payment, obtain either the permission of the public adjuster in writing or a hold harmless and indemnity agreement from a viable insured. The IAB litigation could and should have been avoided had permission been obtained, and therefore the insurer found itself paying the full amount of the loss plus paying the 10% owed to the adjuster more than they agreed upon because of their error in ignoring the rights of the public adjuster by its contract. Recent statutes in California and other jurisdictions now require public insurance adjusters to take 12 hours of continuing education, including ethics training, every year to maintain their license. 
In a decision not officially published, a California Court of Appeal affirmed a judgment against a public adjuster who, it appeared, failed to take the training required or perhaps just chose to blatantly disregard it. In January of 2007, two Adjacent residential properties owned by a plaintiff, Holmes, suffered fire damage. Following the fire, Holmes entered into a public adjuster contract with G.W. Burke & Associate, the name of Burke's unincorporated sole proprietorship. The contract stated Burke's role was to advise and assist in the preparation and adjustment of Holmes' loss. According to Holmes, Burke wrongfully retained a portion of the insurance payment from Holmes' insurer, even though Burke was not entitled to a fee because he did not actually negotiate a higher payment over the amount already offered by the insurance company. Holmes' complaint included causes of action for breach of contract, fraud, and breach of fiduciary duty. The jury found Burke liable on three causes of action, awarded damages of $37,606, and found that Burke had acted with malice, oppression, or fraud, and it was awarded him an additional 85000 in punitive damages in a bifurcated proceeding. Some state courts have been more willing to hold that an insurance adjuster may be liable to the insured under alternative theories. Generally, however, courts reject attempts to impose, impose liability on an insurance adjuster. When a public insurance adjuster exceeds his or her authority and attempts to defraud an insurer on behalf of the adjuster's client, the standard concealment or fraud provision precludes the insureds from obtaining any recovery under their policies as the claims submitted by their public insurance adjuster was acting as their agent and those claims were fraudulent. Therefore, in U.S. v. SADA, a Third Circuit case from 1999, the government's evidence at trial showed that in 1990, appellants contacted Ezra Rishti, Isaac's cousin, for help in an insurance fraud scheme. Rishti was a public insurance adjuster in New York City who had conspired with various clients in over 200 fraudulent insurance schemes in the past. Rishti agreed to assist Isaac in filing a fraudulent insurance claim and enlisted the help of Morris Bida, a former employee who by then owned his own business. Rishti also enlisted the help of Sal Marcello, a general adjuster for Chubb Insurance Group, which was the insured's insurer. Marcello assured Rishti that Chubb would assign him to handle the future claim. In Everett Cash Mutual versus Bonnie Sue Gibble, the Court of Common Pleas of uh, Pennsylvania, was faced with a motion to exclude expert testimony of Patrick Cassidy, defendant's proposed expert witness. 
when Ms. Gibble's furnace emitted soot into her home and the claim made with her homeowner's insurance company was not handled to Ms. Gibble's satisfaction, she sought the assistance of Mr. Cassidy, a public adjuster, and signed a public adjuster contract retaining Cassidy Public Adjustment to advise and assist in the adjustment of insurance claim, agreeing to pay a contingent fee comprising a certain percentage of the amount paid by the insurance companies in settlement of the loss and necessary expenses. Gibble tried to have her public adjuster act as an expert, and the court found that a bargain to pay an expert witness for testifying to his opinion, a larger sum than the legal fees provided for other witnesses, is illegal only if the agreed compensation is contingent on the outcome of the controversy. Since the public adjuster was going to get a percentage of whatever the claim resolved to be, his prejudice was obvious. In In Re Mushroom Transportation, Inc., a bankruptcy case, the court precluded an expert witness from testifying at trial because a contingent fee agreement whereby the expert had been hired to assist the debt debtor in a bankruptcy proceeding and collecting monies due to the debtor from a certain party was simply wrong. So public insurance adjusters can collect a contingency fee if they perform their duties as an adjuster, but if there is an appraisal or trial resulting from the adjustment and the adjuster is presented as an expert whose only fee is the contingency of whatever amount the insured collects, he will or she will be barred from testifying. This video was adapted from my book, Zelma on Insurance Claims, Part 103, Second Edition, which is available as a Kindle book or a paperback from Amazon.com and is the third volume of a 10-volume set on insurance claims. You can also get detail from my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the link to the insurance claims library. If you found this video to be useful, please advise your colleagues and subscribe to my blog so that you can learn about future blogs and future videos. Thank you again for your attention.